0: what's up everyone how you guys doing welcome to the show today we're going to be talking about what happened to all the bike builders man and we're also going to be talking about some of my favorite ones and the reason why i like them and i gotta ask myself the question maybe it is a time warp to me with the different styles that are out there right now But damn, nobody was as good as these guys ever were. Okay, man, let's talk about bike builders and what I consider to be a good bike builder what i consider to be a good bike builder isn't just the product that they're putting out but the heart that they have for their craft and when i talk about their craft i'm not just talking about motorcycles i'm talking about the metal the steel the design process the process that goes into it, the fabricating the whole nine yards, they live and breathe what they are doing. They're not doing it just for the money, but they're doing it to leave a legacy behind after they're gone. Two of my favorites is Tom from the El Foresteros Motorcycle Club. And Indian Larry. I'd have to say my favorite out of those two are Tom. He just put a lot of sweat. A lot of craftsmanship into his bike builds. Now they were mostly choppers. Which 60s, 70s, 80s. That was the thing. It was bare bones. They didn't have all this fancy stuff that they put on it. You know, the stereos, the screwed up lines, if you ask me. I never liked the early 2000 chopper craze. I thought it looked gay. I thought it looked disgusting. It looked like it was done nothing for, but for money. Tom and Indian Larry weren't like that. Yeah, the money came along for it. You know, with Tom, he actually bought his first Harley was a bagger, and I think he paid like $800 dollars for it or something he, <laughs> the most that he ever paid for a Harley. But he took his skill as a craftsman to the next level and really earned the respect of all bikers throughout the scene during that time period I think if I had to go top 3 it would be Tom Indian Larry and Jesse James and everybody's going to say well Jesse James is kind of new to you know what you're talking about compared to Tom the thing I like about Jesse James is his dedication to his craft especially when it comes to his fabricating and stuff and his work ethic that is what all three of these really have in common was the work ethic that you really don't see nowadays and unfortunately it's not only about motorcycle building it has to do with everybody in general the work ethic really isn't there for many people like it is with these earlier guys. They humped it, man. These are the guys that wore their greasy jeans for three or four weeks straight before they decided to put something else on. They spent most of their times writing and also building these work of arts. It was funny. I talked to a buddy today. He was going to pick up A 64 Triumph Chopper. I'm talking about the the coffin gas tank, the whole nine yards. I'm talking it was like taking a trip back in time. I was like, man, I still kick myself for getting rid of my Triumph Bonnie that was the seventy-seven but the legacy of them type of choppers back then well hell you even had the chopper craze where most of this i would have to say came out of san francisco with the hells angels and it was there's actually a do, uh, a doco here on youtube with them talking about where the chopper style came in you know, and it was especially true with the hills in San Francisco, you know, how the roads are up and down. It'd probably give me a freaking ache or get me dizzy or something riding on them roads. But they gave a story on why it was so important that they did what they did. And I think a lot of that spilled over into other makes and models of choppers triumph was famous for it uh the honda cb750s were real famous for it see i all you know those cb750s were just phenomenal in my viewpoint now it was a little off balance because i used to have one i shouldn't never got rid of that damn one either but anyway you know, you had your four carbs set up. You had a lot of power on that hardtail. <laughs> that was funny. Today I said, you know what? You're not going to be riding cross country on that damn bike. You know, uh, could you imagine back in the old days that they were riding these things cross country, bare bones, hardtail, where their ass was falling off? It, it, it was an amazing lifestyle back then. And I was actually privileged to be, you know, raised in them times in the 90s where some of that stuff was still around. Dedication to what you're doing is far few in between now. Yeah, you got, you know, it's like it goes in phases the early 2000s, then you had these big wheel baggers. Now you still have that type, but now you got the Cholo builds. It's like everybody jumps on the bandwagon when it comes to style and all that kind of stuff. What set these builders apart was their eye for detail, in my opinion. Yeah, you can go bare bones, but at the same time, you still can see their style in every one of their builds. A lot of these guys, they built their own frames. Now, people are going to say, well, you know, what's so special about building a frame of a motorcycle? Well, if you're not careful when you're welding that thing together, you're going to eat pavement. So these guys had some damn good welding skills. Damn good welding skills. I know Jesse James, he really takes his TIG work very serious. Not to mention all his he, he doesn't go for this new technology stuff. Yeah, he'll do CNC work with the, you know, he'll cut out his own wheels and stuff like that. But he goes back to the early 1940s to get some of his tools that is it just puts out amazing work and tools nowadays ain't nothing like they used to be no those were hardcore freaking tools that they were using and you had to know what and how to work with them One thing that was really cool about Tom was he was doing all this building and he was a part of an MC. That right there epitomizes what the early MCs were about was coming together in the garage building these works of art and it seems like, you know, maybe, you know, that's a theme of the past if you will because now with these modern builders you just don't see that much dedication because if you look at their motorcycles yeah they got to appeal to another generation i get that They appeal to the generation that wears cargo shorts and flip-flops on their motorcycle to look cool, I guess. But at the same time, they're doing it for the money. Where a guy like Tom or Indian Larry, I really don't think, or even, well, yeah, Jesse James, he likes his money, but he puts his craftsmanship into that money. But I don't think they got the spark, if you will. Somebody who can make a bone bear, you know, a bare bones chopper, that's something special, if you ask me. It really is. It's something special where you don't have to add all these knickknacks to it. I remember when I seen that stupid ass show with Paul uh, Tuttle and then. Senior and Junior, and they were facing off against Jesse James. And they gave it to Paul Tuttle Jr., and it was an abomination of a motorcycle, even if you call it that, compared to what Jesse just put out. That was the type of thinking that a lot of these rubbers, as I call them, not rubs, but rubbers, because they should have put rubber over their heads so I didn't have to see them, you know, so they just spread their little disease and stuff of what they think riding and what it's about to live this lifestyle, bike, or whatever you want to call it. The are rubbers. They need to put one on so they don't infect everybody else. But they claimed that Paul Tuttle Jr. beat Jesse James. You're crazy. You're crazy. These are the guys, and that's what I I hated about American Chopper, was they didn't stick to what it meant to be a bike builder. It was all about show. It was all about getting $200,000 for a build. But if you see some of their bikes now, Those same bikes that were going for $200,000, they're lucky to get $5,000 on the used market right now. That tells you something. Now, an Indian Larry motorcycle, a chopper, whatever, you're spending $250,000 to $300,000 to get one of his motorcycles because it had a lasting impact on everybody. They knew that he put his heart and soul in there. And the reason why places like OCC sucked when bankrupt is because people knew it was a fake. They were doing it for the money. They weren't doing it for the art form or the lifestyle. That's why guys like Tom and Indy and Larry... And Jesse James is always going to have a stay in power. But you do have others out there like Arlen Ness. Arlen Ness, man, he was an innovator. He was a huge innovator within this scene. You know, he left a legacy and love for what he was doing. So, I think I do, and I don't know if it's because my age or what I personally thought everything was supposed to be about. What I do know is when you see somebody pour so much hard work, so much soul into a project, you know it is solid work. It is solid. And you cannot beat craftsmanship. Everybody knows with Harley, now they got foreign parts on the deal. They've tried to go with the uh, fascination that their customers didn't care if the bike was American or not. Well, that's all hogwash. At least for me personally... That was one of the biggest selling points was the fact that it was made in America. That our hard-working blue-collar people were behind making that motorcycle and they had a lot of pride in their work. And when he said that, the former CEO of Harley-Davidson, I was like, man, the rubbers really did take over everything. I knew it was coming in 1994 when all this rubber stuff started. Everybody wanted to be cool. Everybody wanted to ride that motorcycle. Actually, Harley-Davidson right now is using the same thinking it did in the 90s where it kept the bikes off the floor. They're doing it now, but they're pushing the CVO line on everybody. So when you see that kind of stuff, yeah, they're a company trying to make money. I get it. But it doesn't have the expectations of those who've been around and supporting them all these years. Now, if I had the money and if I wanted to get a chopper made by one of these three, it would have to be Tom's. It would have to be Tom's because he was just one of them old school, non-carry, screw you, I am who I am, and a lot of his work was done in a garage and a small warehouse. That is one I would love to be able to get my hands on is one of his builds. I would have to say the second one would have to be Indian Larry and then third, Jesse James. You're probably saying, well, what do you think of Billy Lane? Well, I think he's more of a modern builder. I really do not think he channels what I would consider an old school bike. And it don't even have to be a chopper here. Let me remind you of that. Yeah, let me let my doggie out of here. Get out of here. Leave me alone. Anyway, it don't have to be the chopper. It could be a regular bobber, cafe racer. Anything you can make come alive through your vision. You know, I showed, what was it, a couple days ago. It was actually a 2019 Triumph Cafe Racer. The way he went about that build was just fantastic. And I think it was because the Triumph had a lot to do with the UK craze that was huge during the 50s and 60s, and that was Cafe Racers. It was huge back then. And he caught that. He caught that picture. And if you think about it. He actually dreamed up that project. But I would. I'd have to go with Tom. If it was me. If I was able to get a bike or something like that. From what he was making. Me. I love. You know. Fabricating stuff. Welding wise. And. If. I would have to say craftsmanship with sheet metal or metal, whatever it is. I'd have to go with Jesse James on that. Because his skill with steel, iron, sheet metal is just phenomenal. And now he's a gunsmith, so I really like him. But he started off in his garage building fenders. And he never gave in... To the corporations. I remember the story. Where he was telling. About how. They didn't want him to put his logo. On his work. And he was like screw you man. I don't need you then. He was about to give up a lot of money. Because they didn't want him to put his logo on. But every artist wants to sign. Their art. And he kept it true to who he was. He wasn't scared to tell the man to go screw themselves. He wasn't one of them guys. He stayed true. And I think that's what I really look for in a builder. Is staying true to who you are and what you're doing. Let's talk about some early ones. And a lot of people would say, well, those ain't bike builders. I'd have to say to the contrary. You know, you got the Davidsons. You got Hendy that were pioneers. If you don't know who Hendy is, he is the one that started Indian Motorcycles in 1901, it was his first bicycle. Uh, and they were they were basically bicycles. The ones that you see nowadays, it's so funny. You look at them. Damn, I got another dog that wants out of here. Damn, am I boring you or something? My pit bull. Anyway, to you just see him riding around today with the one gallon. Gas tanks that can last like 150 miles or something like that. That's kind of what they came up with in the old days. Now, Hendy, he was born in 66. He was a national bicycle champion. And it was funny. He started his own bicycle company in 1895 or something like that in Massachusetts. But he went bankrupt three years later. But he didn't give up. He kept on pushing and pushing. And when the time was right, he was able to slap an engine on that sucker, do his thing, just like the Davidsons. So, yeah, I would consider them, you know, freaking builders way before their time. They might have not chopped stuff up, but they still came forward and made great companies. Now, unfortunately, Indian has went through so many owners that it's unreal. It's in Polaris' hands right now. What gave Harley the break instead of Indian was World War II. They got all those government contracts, and it really made them And when the vets came home, that's the motorcycle they were used to. Was that Harley Davidson? So it really gave them a leg up on all the competition until they got in trouble in the 70s with AMF. And we don't even want to talk about the AMF uh, years, you know, because how bad they really were. Uh, Let's see here. I got some stuff pulled up, you know, some past builders and stuff. Uh, Let's go over Indian Larry. Uh, He was born in 49, New York. And he actually, when he was younger, it says he was a scoutmaster, raced Indian motorcycles. And that really changed his life right there. Then you got Big Daddy Ed Roth, man. Yeah, he was known for his hot rods and stuff. But he was also really big into the choppers. Yeah, Rat Fink, baby. Rat Fink. And it's funny. And I have to ask you this Do you have the feel like you did for, say, Tom or Indian Larry? Those type of builders, even Jesse James. Compared to nowadays. Do you think modern builders. Could ever keep up with the older guys. And I would have to say no damn way. Because a lot of the older guys man. They were sitting in dirt. Drinking a beer. Dirty ass shops. Building these choppers, Building these bikes. And then you have these modern builders in these pristine shops. $100,000 freaking CNC machines. All they have to do really is bolt everything together because everybody can get a CNC now. You can just go on Amazon and get you a CNC machine. You just start building whichever you want. Hell, you need to get a 3D printer. But guys like Tom and when Indy and Larry started out, no, you had to go with the old school tools and you had to actually put the work in. And the skills that they had, you can really, it's hard to find now. Now, I know a lot of you, again, like Billy Lane and stuff, but I just think he it's too modern for me. There's too much hype behind him, if you ask me. One thing that was good about the bike builder show was it was able to focus on the art of building a motorcycle. Everybody has different visions, but the problem with that is it's spun off all these different high-priced choppers that only rubbers would buy. And you know that's true, because who the hell is going to buy a 100000 $200,000 chopper just because they saw the builder on TV? I never understood that. I really don't. And I was talking about that last week where... How the hell, and you know what, CVOs, i they're special, I guess, who knows, I won't buy one, I don't want one. And buying it for the price that they want, I could never do it. Why buy something like that when you can go to a used market and get them for next to nothing because all the rubbers, they buy them. Next thing you know, they're riding for a couple hundred miles and then want to get rid of it to go on to the next style. I just never understood. See, motorcycling is supposed to be personal. You're supposed to have your own identity. That's why when we go by the Harleys, Triumphs, uh, Hondas, Kawasaki, Suzuki's, you want to make it your own. You got a vision of what you want with that motorcycle. But why want to be the same? Now, cholo-looking bikes, they're kick-ass-looking bikes. But why do you want to look like somebody else? And that's the thing I liked about Tom and Indy and Larry, is they had their style, but they would mix it up. They don't do that much anymore. It's more like an assembly line where they call themselves bikes bike builders. I don't know, man. I really don't know if they got the skill that the older guys had. Or maybe I'm just old and stupid and don't want to change. I hear that all the time. But what would you rather do? Would you rather have somebody build a bike for you today Or would you want to get a hold, if they were still alive, rest in peace, Tom and Indian, would you rather get one of their motorcycles? And then you got to ask yourself, okay, if you wanted to get one of their motorcycles, why would you want to get one? Is it because of their name? Is it because they're famous? Or is it because you truly love the way they look the what went into them that's the question that i'm asking you or would you want one of these cholo builds that everybody else is doing now again they look cool but it's a phase just like the big wheel baggers were just like these choppers were in the early 2000s, a phase. Is the Cholo brand you? that is it your personality is what I'm asking? Is it something that after five, ten years, if it is no longer cool, are you going to say, hey, screw this and keep it? Or are you going to sell it? My guess would be because a lot of these rubbers, they'll sell it within a year or two, but at least they got to act cool buying it. That ain't a love for your sport. And I call motorcycling a sport because if you really look at it, it is. You put a lot of effort into it. You want to be the best you can be. And that's why you really want to design that motorcycle to be like you. Let's go into, uh, let's see here. Let's see here. Let's go into the chat room. I haven't been in there yet. Uh, Low rider, I'll stick with my shovel head. You know what? I'm actually going to put a picture up in the community uh, tab. I'll probably do it today or tonight. And it's of my old shovel head. You know, there were so many motorcycles. And I think, you know, because I've had a ton of them. I've had over a dozen bikes. Most of them Harleys, but, you know, some not. And what I think the reason was behind having so many, you know, getting rid of them, getting another one, was because I love two wheels. I love all styles of motorcycles. It not it's just not Harley-Davidson's for me. You know, between a Shovelhead chopper and a CB750 chopper, I'd hit the CB750 because I like the torque on it, I like the pull on it i just love the four carburetors setup on the cb750 compared to the shovel that you had to actually you know carry around tool kits for or they'd leave you know their mark for their spot but i just think there was so much more to a cb750 and all you old guys you can't tell me that you would have never got the uh, old cb750 It was funny. The one I had was actually a CB550, and I said, Screw that, get rid of it. And I got a 750 put in there. I actually got a uh, picture of myself in China Dowl on it. I should have, you know, I used to have it in the background. But I would rather take that. But I love motorcycles that I don't care about the brand. And that's one thing everybody, you know, some people pop on me about, well, if you don't have a Harley or you're not into the Harleys 100%, you know, I don't think you're a biker, blah, blah, blah. That's the, that's one thing that Harley Davidson had going for it was they built a cult following, you know, they got the free advertisement with the tattoos. And they really did. And I got to blame the old timers for this, but they had a good reason because the World War II stuff with the Japanese and the Germans. But I have to admit, the Germans, they can make a damn bike, so can the Japanese. But everybody thought, hey, you had to have this to be this or to have this kind of persona. And I think that's false as hell, right there. I don't believe that. I believe if you have a love of motorcycles, it doesn't matter what kind of motorcycle it was. As long as it had two wheels, you go enjoy, have a party. Hey, you were in. Now I do have to say, you know, the old seventies, eighties stuff with hanging up some Hondas, uh, from the tree and banging the hell out of them was kind of fun, but Nowadays, you got to look at it and say, hey, wait a second. Harley Davidson is actually trailing companies like BMW, trailing companies like Suzuki, Honda, Yamaha in the technology aspect. They, for so long, kept the lines of their models the same year after year after year, and there was no forward thinking on the next year's model until recently, they really started to step up their game and say, you know what? You always got to maintain your core, but you got to bring in new people. We're going to take a quick break. You're going to see a commercial from the new biker culture channel with Hollywood Don't forget to subscribe. I got a new video coming out every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time out of the studio talking about stuff I really like talking about. okay don't forget to subscribe i gotta pin that comment in the comments section but let's go back into the chat room right here juan has a rigid wcc cfl four up one out of 38 degrees with the 12 inch over denver springer rock on man hell freaking yeah uh, Mr. Rooster, who you calling old? Do we so old, the dirt's freaking old, okay? we. Uh, you know what? I never thought, see, this is one thing that the old guys used to tell me that I didn't listen to, and that was a kid. Don't party too much. Don't overdo it, because when you get our age, you're going to be feeling it. And I laughed at him. I really did. I laughed at him. I said, man, that ain't going to happen to me. I'm never going to get like that. And now when I get out of bed, I feel like an old Buick. I got to warm up. I got to get out and say, ah, shit, you know, it's hard to get up anymore. So I should have listened to these guys. I really should have. But yeah, we older than dirt's old, man uh bush shovel i hear you man i love the vicas that's what they call the cholos i guess but i love those things when i look at it it's so much money even though it's dope it's just i don't know they're good looking bikes yeah but a cholo if you're gonna go all the way in meaning you're gonna get the style you're gonna get the paint job the custom stuff you're going to build up that engine. By time you're done, you're maybe looking at twenty-five, thirty thousand $30,000 for that motorcycle. And a lot of times, yeah, they're around town motorcycles or taking them to a show. But if you really think about it, how reliable will those motorcycles be when you go cross country? Will it be a comfortable ride? Now, a lot of them have, you know, different things, air suspension, the whole nine yards. But again, how reliable will they be and how comfortable will they be? I'd have to ask that, man, as far as the Cholo. Commander, I admire old schoolers. I see them... Uh, Let's see, soup up their bikes in their garage when I was a kid. That was the ultimate thing, was sitting in them garages. That is where True Brotherhood started. And that's where some good designs of motorcycles came out of. You don't have to be the famous ones like Tom, Indy, and Larry, Jesse. It could have been just a normal, everyday biker. And a lot of them were amazing of what they could do in their garages with them motorcycles. They were just freaking amazing what a lot of these old-timers did. Like I said, the San Francisco trade, man, over there when they first started out, a lot of stuff does seem... If you think about it, the styles of the bike build came out of MCs. I don't think a lot of people understand that or realize it, that a lot came out of the MC scene. It was the members of that MC scene that were the innovators. They're the ones that drove the style. You know, Tom with the El steros Then you had somebody, uh, fuck, there's so many of them. You had the Hells Angels on in San Francisco that had their style. That was the chopper scene. Now with the Cholo stuff, that is a Latino and Chicano style. And of course, we have to say, yeah, it was made famous by you know, the Mayans and stuff, or the Dyna stuff out of San... It just depends. But the ones that usually grabbed on any of the bike builds were MCs. But they had a logical use. There was reasons why they made them builds the way they did. And I think that's where the older or the modern guys it's not for building what you need now it's all about flash it's all about show and you gotta admit that man you really do uh let's see here what do we got here about the only love and enjoy of harley that fits me as a road king but that's me though i like the springer too you know what with the road kings and the you know the glides I, everybody wants a glide everybody me not so much you know i think it's because i want to be different i want to do it my old you know my own style you know, one of the bikes that I love the most and ride the most, yeah, I got the Dyna, but I ride my Boulevard more than I do anything else. I love the Bully. That's what I call her, is Bully. And the reason why is it has such a smooth-ass ride. Unless you ask China now. Yesterday, I got a hair up my ass with her and said, you know what, jump on the bike. We're just going down to Chicago. Just out of the blue, because I just, you know, enough work, time to play. So, I only took her on like a 175 mile ride here. Next thing I know on the way home, I can't feel my ass, I lost my ass. I'm sitting here thinking, well, you are kind of bony, aren't you? But at the same time, the bully was just... It was rocking and rolling yesterday. And I'd rather have that type of ride than anything really Harley could put out. Now, the fat boy was awesome, but it didn't have the ride that the bully does. And people would, you know, well, you know, it's a Japanese piece of shit. Oh, I'd probably ride longer than you, okay, with your Harley freaking, you know fat boys you're your dinos uh you know what i mean you know i do like water cooled too as well uh let's see here commander bell never too old to own a harley no it ain't it is not you but a uh, hey, iron horse thanks for that thing by the way man i really appreciate that you rock and freaking roll my man uh bil that's my sister-in-law i call her sil I own a Harley and Honda too. Rock and roll. Hey, my tree hugging liberal bleeding heart, J man, in the the comment section, being a dick as you always. Uh, Frogzilla, a lot of 50 plus are getting motorcycles. You're on spot when it comes to that. You really are on spot. It seems like a lot of people. And maybe that's why I call them rubbers. You know, rubs for those that don't know. I call them rubbers. They're the ones that seem like they make up the majority of 50 plus getting their first motorcycle. And I find that very damn dangerous. And the reason why I find that dangerous is because they want to start out with these bigger ass baggers. They don't even know how to freaking ride. What are you doing? Go out, get something that's a little smaller, learn. It's funny, I had a a lady ask me, well, I'm new to riding, what should I get? Well, go get you a 650 freaking Yamaha V-Star, get used to that for a year, ride it around in all type of weather, Get comfortable riding a motorcycle, especially get comfortable watching out for all these cager, cagers that's trying to kill you. Then go out. Once you feel comfortable on that, go out to the next step. Go get you a 1200. Get you, you know, a sporty or something. Learn on that before you're going and spending all tens of thousands of dollars on a bagger or a street glide. You got to know how to ride the damn things before anything. And that's one of the things with these 50 older plus people is they'll jump right into the bigger bikes. And that's where you see a lot of accidents. And it's unfortunate that you do. But they don't use their freaking head, man. Hey, Marky. Uh, let's see here. Thanks uh, again for that, uh, Iron Horse. You you know, you rock. Keith, I have a t- uh, 2002 Deuce completely custom from the ground up, which is great for shorter rides. But for the longer rides, I love my rogue Glide. If you notice during my videos during the week with the green screen and stuff, I'm showcasing a lot of the motorcycle, uh, the motorcycles from a lot of the subscribers and stuff. If you want to do get yours on the show, what I do is have you email it to info at insane throttle biker news.com only email them there because I put them in line as they come and what I do is when I'm about to premiere it on the show, I'll email you, let you know. But don't send them to the Facebook or Instagram because they got to be put in line. So if you want yours shown, make sure you do that. Uh, let's see here. I love you too, you tree hugger. Uh, Leslie, I own a Harley, but the king on the road is the Honda Goldwing. I always said with the Honda gold wing and I don't care what you old greasy uh grizzly bears say, but you know it's true if you're going on say a five thousand mile ride you know coast to coast or even up to Alaska or down south in New Mexico, your ass wants that gold uh that gold wing you can't bullshit me because I tell you what. I'll be on that Goldwing in a freaking heartbeat. I'd rather have a Cadillac-style motorcycle like the Honda Goldwing with all the technology that I need than to, you know, get out there and have a sore ass. If you look at how good the Honda Goldwing is going back to its origin, all you have to do is look at Shade Tree Surgeon. He had 80 style freaking, what is it, gold wings, silver wings, whatever he had. And he was making it everywhere on them damn motorcycles. It was awesome. Uh, Frogzilla, 3,000 used Harley Sportster. You can get them uh, right now in the Chicago area for like 2500 bucks. I was actually thinking about wanting to go get an old Ironhead and building one out i just haven't had the time to go find one uh bash i love my sporty though i ain't going to lie it's got a 1200 uh engine swap but it's still a sporty i have a buddy that he actually beefed up his motor to a 1450 with the sporty and that sucker just rocks and freaking rolls man louder than hell it's funny you know i got china doll saying hey you gotta go get a hearing aid which you know i have trouble hearing now it's all those damn years with all the pipes and stuff ride deuce and all that stuff the pipes really screwed me up uh Marky, them gold wings run good first bike i learned how to work on now he's strictly uh harley I tell you what, if you can learn how to work on some of these Japanese bikes, you're gonna have no problem at all working on a Harley. Uh, evil LMBO, them folding, especially the old ones, you can hit a tree and still ride off. Though I don't uh, recommend it. You can, man. They're like freaking, they're monsters. It just they keep going and going and going. They never stop. It's like you got to take a stick of dynamite to some of them old Honda Goldwings just to get them to blow up, and even then, their parts are still good to reuse. A <laughs> uh, Heritage uh, Frogzilla, rock and roll, man. There's a lot you can do with uh, a Heritage, uh, just like the Fat Boy, man. There's just so much that you can do with some of these. That to make them yours, that it it's just awesome. That's one thing I got to give Harley Davidson. They're able to allow you a plain canvas, and able in order to make it yours. That's one of the smart things they ever did was getting into the aftermarket business. And that's where they tried screwing you on that warranty, but they got called out on that. But another thing was the Indian and Victory lines, or the Victory line. I wished, I think that was Polaris's way to cut their teeth on trying to give themselves a couple years to engineer the Dark Horse. Who wouldn't want a damn dark horse? If you say you don't, you're lying. I'd love to have a dark horse. And that's going to be my next and final bike I want to get is the dark horse. Because with the dark horse, I think it's at the point, because the first couple of years, you don't want to buy the new models. I made a mistake and got to use V92C. And I think it was an 01. And it was only out a couple years. You know, it's one of the, you know, it was one of their premier bikes. But the transmissions on them sucked. They were horrible on the V92Cs. But that's what you got to deal with when you get a motorcycle within the first couple years of design and build. Now the Dark Horse it's been proven to be a reliable bike everybody i hear that has one they just rave about them see here i'm all about the 18 inch apes hell no man i had them on the fat boy but they did have what was it a four inch riser and my you know maybe it's just i'm old and they were killing my arms uh before then i loved ape hangers when i was younger i loved 18 so i didn't think it'd be a problem with the fat boy and stuff but now that i'm older it's like screw 18s you know i might go with the mid of 12s you know probably on the dyno with some z's but no not 18 screw that shit man that's too much uh let's see here Airborne, Super Lied. Hell yeah. Uh, Let's see here. AJ, I'm pretty sure all the old school chopper builders are basically dead. Really, you know, in my eyes, out of my top three, Jesse James is the only one alive. Uh, And he's more gone towards the blacksmithing now than he is to build bikes. You know, sad stuff, but hey. Once you make your mark, you make your mark. Geo. <coughs> Apes killed my shoulders. You're damn right they kill my shoulders, man. But anyway, that's my two cents on what happened to all the bike builders. I come from a you know a different aspect, a different viewpoint. Make sure you guys let me know what viewpoint you're coming from in the comments section below. Don't forget, me and China's on every uh, Monday through Friday at 8.15 Central Standard Time. Uh, The first part of the show is on YouTube. Uh, Don't forget to hit my second channel, man. Go over there and subscribe. I'll make sure after this live stream to pin uh, the link over there every Wednesday I get to talk about stuff like this out of the studio what i really like doing anyway guys i really appreciate you guys hanging around i'll see you next sunday live rock and roll